Hello and welcome to the Tough Cover Podcast with your host for the day, Mark, and you can follow me at Mark Henry Jr. underscore on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at Tough Cover Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Please give us five stars on Apple, like and subscribe on uh, SoundCloud, give us a subscribe on Apple, do whatever you do on Spotify. On today's show, I'm going to be doing a quick little roundup on some Philadelphia sports news. Uh, there ha- seemingly has been a lot of it over the past couple of weeks. Um, and, and I'll start it out with the Philadelphia Phillies. Might as well start with the Phillies because uh, they've been out of the news for the longest since the season's been over for the longest. And uh, they have, the MLB offseason has not been very active. They, the Phillies did sign Archie Bradley. And then now the Phillies yesterday finally lock up JT Realmuto. The tweet goes out that we've all been waiting for since last year opening day or even before that. And it's hard, to, it's hard to say that the Phillies didn't play this perfectly. About a year ago, or a little less than a year ago, I had Alex Carr uh, on my show. He is a Phillies MLB reporter. He writes for The Good Fight. Uh, and he was absolutely right. He absolutely thought that the Phillies had the, the front track for JT and that a lot of people would struggle to, uh, you know pony up for JT or even get interested. And I I doubted that just because of how good JT was. I thought that there would be some people who, you know, jumped in. I thought that the Yankees were a team that made a lot of sense. Uh, It doesn't seem that they want to spend a lot of money, uh, even though Gary Sanchez, they had the bench in the playoffs last year. I thought the Mets made a lot of sense. They went out and got McCann. I thought the Angels made a lot of sense. A team that I didn't ever thought made sense was the Braves. The Braves come in and swoop in at the end, apparently, and force us to pay a little more. Uh, I believe we paid five years, 110. Alex Carr, let, let me, I wanted to pull this up to, to read it directly. A uh, former guest on the show, Alex Carr, at Alex Carr MLB, said, They did it. They played it perfectly. Unbelievable. Say what you will about the Phillies brass. They did everything right here. Their star catcher is sticking around. Everyone was upset that they were, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the right word is, pussyfooting around signing JT. A lot of people thought that they were being cheap or yada, yada, yada. I think it just came down to they wanted to get JT for the best price that they possibly could, and they did that. And I, I as someone who is not afraid to criticize the Philadelphia Phillies, they – bravo. You did a great job. I don't know if it's Dombrowski. I don't know if it's Middleton. I don't know who really is run, running the show. Uh, but I, I think that they did a fantastic job here. They got JT for a super reasonable price on a short-term deal. The first year, I believe they're only paying him ten million dollars. So uh, it's there's a lot of, there's a lot to be happy about um, as a Philadelphia Phillies baseball fan. And I think the more important part about is not what there is to be happy about, but what there isn't to be depressed about. If they let JT go, you have to watch five hundred Andrew Knapp at bats. You have to watch whoever they bring in last second to replace JT. You have to watch them bat. 500 times and that would have just been torture watching Andrew Knapp as the backup center is torture so it really is a a godsend to keep JT in Philadelphia I think that there are obviously some concerns I know uh, someone close to me brought up you know it's a catcher you don't want to you don't want to put five years a lot of money into a catcher JT Belmuto is a different level of catcher, obviously, though. He's so much better than whoever the next best catcher is. And then also he's shown 
the ability to play first base. And I'm not even sure if Reese Hoskins is a long-term answer at first base anymore. Uh, that kind of, my opinion changes on that by the day. So I kind of, I, I think JT will, will be playing catcher for at least the next two to three years. Maybe after that, we can have a conversation about first base, but I think there's, there's no positive or there's no negatives to the signing, only positives. JT Romuto remains a Philly. I haven't seen someone as widely beloved by Philadelphia fans since I don't even know the Chase Utley days. Uh, if, if you're talking baseball, so, and obviously he's not Chase Utley in terms of how beloved he is by fans. He'll need to win a ring to do that. But I think JT is even more popular than Bryce Harper is on this team. I think it's because he's got that Philly attitude, that lunch pail, work your ass off attitude that I believe Bryce Harper has as well. But it seems that the fans have really latched on to JT. Maybe that'll change now that he's paid. But I think this is something for the Phillies fans to really get excited about. I think it would have been really hard to get excited about this season without JT. Uh, hopefully Joe Girardi gets a legitimate bullpen in there uh, to help him out and we can really see what this team can do. Having said all that, the Mets traded for Lindor and they're, uh, the Braves are looking at Jose Ramirez. The Braves still have an excellent team. We still have Ron Lacuna, Juan Soto, and Francisco Lindor all in our division, not to mention the Miami Marlins who made the playoffs way ahead of schedule last year and have Sixto Sanchez, our former prize prospect. So it's going to be hard to make the playoffs, in, even if it's expanded. I'm not even sure. I thought that I saw that uh, they denied expansion. But if it goes back to five or if it's eight or if it's six, no matter what it is, it's going to be hard for the Phillies to make the playoffs. But I'd rather feel the way I feel right now that we, at least we have a chance. If you get rid of JT Romuto, you don't have a chance at the playoffs. You still have Bryce Harper for another 10 years. I think things could have went really south really quickly if the Phillies didn't grab JT Realmuto. And then now, what happens now? We lost DD. That's really our only spot that we have to fill up is shortstop. Or if you want to move Gene Segura over to shortstop, you can find a second baseman. It seems that the uh, there's only a couple names left out there that we're really looking at. Marcus Simeon signed signed with Toronto, so they're looking at Andrelton Simmons, who I they might have even signed with the Twins a little bit ago. But they're looking at Andrelton Simmons. They're looking at keeping Didi Gregorius. And now another name that I've heard is they're looking at Colton Wong, who would be really interesting. My choice out of that would probably be Colton Wong. I, my second choice would be Didi, and third would be Andrelton, great defender, not exactly a great hitter. But I'd be over the moon with either Colton Wong or D.D. Gregorius, whether that be Wong to play second while Segura plays short, or Segura can play at second and D.D. plays it short just like we did last year. But I, I'm feeling great. Uh, I was being very negative about the Phillies in recent weeks and months, saying that they don't care about their fan base. And this just proves that wrong. Hopefully uh, the fan base can rally behind. Hopefully there some fans let in, maybe by – May or June or whenever that may be, and hopefully we can celebrate some Phillies baseball at Citizens Bank Park. And now, after all that positivity, it's only right that Negadelphian Mark brings it back down. Let's talk about the only team in the city that gets me fully depressed to talk about, the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles hire head coach Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts. 
If you follow me on Twitter, you saw my, my tweets immediately after the signing. You have heard my opinion on other podcasts, and it hasn't changed. I am very upset. I'm very negative on this Nick Sirianni signing, and it has a lot more to do with who they were looking at as opposed to how much it has to do with Nick Sirianni. But let's talk about Nick Sirianni before I get to the people that we didn't hire. Nick Sirianni was an offensive coordinator for Indianapolis. He's worked with the Chargers, he's worked with the Chiefs, and he's worked with the Colts. Seems like they're just hiring whoever Frank Reich's right-hand man is here to me, which Frank Reich's a great coach, uh, even though apparently they wanted to fire him in 2016 and Doug saved his job. Frank Reich is a great coach. I understand going to the Frank Reich well. But they hired a guy who was not interviewed by any other opening. There were seven openings. Each team interviewed five-plus people. Nick Sirianni wasn't on any other list, and he was the 11th candidate we spoke to. How did the Eagles, if they were so in love with this guy, I get that he might have just walked in the room and they fell in love with him. If they were so in love with this guy, how did they interview 10 people before they interviewed him? He also has never, ever worked with an outright successful quarterback. He's never been to a conference title game. He's never really done anything of success. He's never called plays. He's never called a single NFL play. I'm sure he has input. I'm sure he works with the QB coach. I'm sure he works with the head coach. I don't know, man. I don't know how you could be excited. The people who are all saying like, oh, you don't know. How could you tell? We have no idea. That's kind of the point. My point is I don't want to hire a guy who we have no idea about. I want to hire a guy who's got a little bit of a background in calling plays, a little bit of a background in working with and developing successful quarterbacks, a little bit of a background in the playoffs, a little bit of a background in interviewing for other head coaching jobs. This is just a complete catastrophe of a hire for me. I think it's just fully Howie Roseman who should be fired, hiring someone he thinks he can control, which Doug wasn't, which Josh McDaniels wasn't, which Eric Bieniemy wasn't, which Brian Dable wasn't. The fact that all of these names that were being interviewed by multiple places and frontrunners for multiple jobs were interviewed here and then not even really considered for some guy who's never called a play is just hard for me to swallow. It's hard for me to deal with. I, I'm not saying that there's no way Nick Sirianni is going to be a good coach. He could be the best coach in Eagles history, and I'm willing to eat my words, even though the words I'm saying aren't that he's going to be a bad coach. The words I'm saying are, there's no way of telling that he's going to be a good coach. There's nothing that can tell you that can make you confident as an Eagles fan that the Eagles just made a good decision. Unless you're just someone who wants to be positive and wants to just explain away anything that the Eagles organization does. Which isn't how I am. The coaching carousel, as I said on my podcast before, is something I'm extremely interested in. It's been an interest of mine for years, even before we hired Doug, even before we hired Chip. Every year I really grade and evaluate these head coaching hires. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. But it's something I'm passionate about and it's something I am I find fun to research the coaching candidates and to find the one find the ones you would like your team to hire. You would like your, a team that has a player on it to hire to be conducive to that team or player. Eric Bieniemy would have been a great hire. 
Josh McDaniels would have been a great hire. If you're able to get Lincoln Riley from college, that would have been a great hire. I, I, I just find it hard to believe that Nick Sirianni is the best option. Brian Dable would have been a great hire. I, I just, Nick Sirianni could be great, but I don't think that there's any tell or anything that tells us that, that that's going to be the case. He's got a hell of a lot to figure out here with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts is the guy. I've made that clear. I think he looked about as good as you can look with the, with the, the skill position players around him and being thrown in in one of the worst situations possible. I think Jalen Hurts looked as good as you can possibly imagine in a situation like that. And I think Carson Wentz looked about as bad as you can possibly imagine this season. I love Carson Wentz. For years, I've defended Carson Wentz. It gets me upset when people try to compare the last couple years with Carson Wentz like it's all the same. It's not. He led this team to the playoffs, a a completely unhealthy corpse of an Eagles roster to the playoffs last year. Played fantastic. Two years ago, even with a, a negative record, he was great. This year, this car, this this version of Carson Wentz just doesn't just doesn't cut it and just isn't good enough. Something's broken. Something's off. And if Nick Sirianni can fix that, then props be to him. I'm willing to be wrong. But once the beer's out of the bottle, I don't think you can put it back in. I think they benched Carson Wentz for a reason. And I think he's uh, I think he's done being a great quarterback in Philadelphia. I think he should go elsewhere, and I think he'd be great. But clearly, Howie Roseman has a life-sized fathead of Carson Wentz on his wall. Jeffrey Lurie is lockstep with everything Howie ever says or does. So I kind of think that we're going with Wentz. It certainly seems like the Eagles are going with Wentz. And that means so that even if Wentz is bad this year again or the same level of player this year again, that means that next year this cap is going to be involved on our our 2022 cap hit. And that is really going to affect us. I think this year could be used as a rebuilding year. You use it around Hurts. You trade Wentz. you You do whatever with Wentz. And you rebuild. You bring in young talent. You don't sign free agents. And... You, you retool for next year, but now with the Carson Wentz news staying around, it really seems like he's going to be the quarterback for the whole season, and it seems like Jalen Hurts has lost a little bit. I think they should they should trade one of them. There, I, I don't think that there is a successful franchise that would keep both quarterbacks. It affects both of them to keep both of them, which is part of the problem with the Jalen Hurts pick in general. But it seems like they're going to keep both. Carson Wentz is going to play out the year, and we're going to have to deal with it again next year. Unless Carson Wentz is just fantastic, or if he gets hurt and Jalen Hurts is fantastic. I just think we're committing to an incredibly frustrating year no matter what. And that's a damn shame. Now let's round it out. Let's let's finish up the podcast talking a little bit of Philadelphia 76ers. A little process talk. Uh, everyone knows how positive I am on the Sixers. They did just lose on Monday night with without Joel Embiid, which brings them to 0-4 without Joel Embiid on the year and 12-2 with him, which I think just strengthens that Joel Embiid MVP case, obviously. It's it's clear as day that he's been the most valuable player to any team in the league so far this year. I think he's the MVP. I think he should be the Defensive Player of the Year. 
Uh, I think Shake Milton has a good argument to be the sixth man of the year. So I, I think Doc Rivers is a good argument to be the coach of the year. I really think that the Sixers could dominate these NBA awards with maybe an MVP, probably not a defensive player of the year, maybe a sixth man of the year. And I think Doc Rivers will get coach of the year this year. So uh, we all know that I think the Sixers are a team that can compete in the East and can go to the NBA Finals. I'm going to debut my official Eastern Conference pick. We all know that the Lakers are winning the West. We all know the Lakers are going to the NBA Finals. Who's going to win the East? Everyone seems to think it's going to be Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn has a chance. But I think there's three teams who have a chance. If the Milwaukee Bucks are able to avoid the Philadelphia 76ers, I think the Bucks will beat the Nets if they have to in the playoffs and go to the finals. I think the Sixers are a nightmare matchup for the Bucks. We are literally built to stop Giannis and to defend Chris Middleton and to go against Milwaukee. If the Brooklyn Nets avoid the Milwaukee Bucks and have to get through the Philadelphia 76ers, then I think the Brooklyn Nets will make the finals. I think the Bucks are a bad matchup for the Nets. Everyone uses that first game they played against each other where the Nets lost or the Nets won by two. I think that the Bucks played really bad in that game. It didn't seem like they played conducive to how they'd have to play to beat Brooklyn. They were trying to score with them instead of slowing it down. And instead, I just didn't like the strategy. I thought that the Bucks played a lot of bench players who wouldn't be playing in the playoffs, more minutes than they would in the playoffs. So I, I think Milwaukee will beat Brooklyn in a playoff series if they face off. But I think Brooklyn would take care of Philadelphia in a playoff series. I just don't think we have the answer for Kevin Durant. I don't think we have two people at a time to guard James Harden and Kyrie Irving like Milwaukee seems to. So I, I And then last but not least, what you're here for, the Philadelphia 76ers will win the East if they avoid the Brooklyn Nets, like I was just saying. I think if the I think it's a three-way, uh, you know, contendership, and it's going to matter a lot who gets that one seed and who gets that two and three, or maybe let's say Milwaukee's the one seed, Brooklyn's the four, and we're the two, and then we get to play the winner. Whoever has to, whoever gets to play, you know, Boston, Indiana, Atlanta, Toronto, Miami, whoever that may be, instead of having to play Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philly in the second round, will win the East. That's my opinion. Let me just round that out one more time for you. Milwaukee will win the East if they avoid the Sixers. The Nets will win the East if they avoid the Bucks. And the Sixers will win the East if they avoid the Nets. That's my official take. And before I get out of here, I'm just going to talk a little NBA here on Wednesday night. The Sixers are hosting the LA Lakers. This line opened up at two points. It It's on ESPN. It does appear that everyone's playing. Uh, I don't see... Anyone really questionable in this game, unless the injury report has not come out yet? Uh, I, I, I correct myself. LeBron James is questionable, but he has not missed a game this season, and it's on ESPN. It's the same injury he's been questionable with. I can't imagine he won't play in this game. This line opened up at 2. It's up to 4. The Lakers are minus 4. Everyone seems to love the Lakers to win this game. This is such a huge game for the Sixers and if they will be taken seriously especially on a national level. Sixers time to get a big win. I know we've had a couple but the Lakers win fully healthy with our with our guys fully healthy will really set us apart from these other Sixers teams of the past couple of years. And that does it for me. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram 
at Tough Cover Pod. Please follow me on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Enjoy the Philly sports.